we're working through the Beatitudes for fall. So awesome words from our Lord. Hear them again. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. And let's say this part together. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is the reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. God always blesses the reading of God's holy word. Come, Holy Spirit, we continue our worship through the proclamation of the word today. May these words of mine not be my words, but may they be your words, that you will draw us into your very life, Lord, and be transformed, that we would be transformed more and more by your presence to be salt of the earth to a world desperate for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's been an awesome week at MPC. Last Saturday, we had a wonderful prayer retreat at Warm Beach on the Trinity and prayer. Um, thanks to Linda Aikens and, and that uh, team were part of that. On last Friday, we had, uh, on Friday, we had the spectacular next-gen auction thanks to Jim and his team who led that. Then yesterday, we had a deeply blessed time at the Alpha Retreat on the Holy Spirit at Lakeside Bible Camp. Thanks to Bud and his team who led that. And of course, there's even more. Does it make you hungry for more? There's so much that God is serving up at this church. Check this out. Ah, these were the meats on Friday night. Tasty meats. These were wonderful. I can still smell the wonderful meats. Ah, oh. think of it. God didn't have to give us taste buds. God could have just, you know, give us a little port somewhere. Where we got the taste buds for the meats. And then, uh, check this out. Afterward, the strawberry rhubarb pie. We had a whole bank of pies over here for the dessert dash. This is all at the end of the, at, during the auction. And I made a mad dash. And it was, my kids were impressed with my sprintiness up here. But I did not get there in time. Alas, I did not get the rhubarb pie. But, you know, that happens in life. Uh, and hopefully, I think, I'm sure someone else really enjoyed it. I don't need, I don't really need the pie anyway, but although I had apple, which was good. So, um, do these pictures leave you hungry? I'd say so, too. Me too. Jesus wants us to be hungry here in our text in a different sort of way. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled the Greek for righteousness is dikaiosune. It's a pretty common Greek word. The lexicon puts it this way. Dikaiosune is the act of doing what God requires. 
doing what's right. It's about being hungry for God and God's will. We don't separate God's actions from his character in scripture. His character are who, is who he is. His actions is who he is. So God and God's righteousness is his hunger for God's righteousness. It's hunger for God. This could be hunger for God's revealed will in scripture, hungry and thirsty to do what God asks us to do in his clear will as revealed in the Bible. Love your neighbor, you know, forgive. This could also be hunger to fulfill the specific will of God. You hunger to go and visit your neighbor, bake him a pie or share the meats, you know, whatever. This is hunger and thirst for God's goodness and to obey God's character. What is it? feel like for your tummy to growl for righteousness. Sometimes we may not even realize that that's what we need to be nourished. And so we substitute other stuff for it. Maybe we hit the junk food, as we say, right? We try to feed on stuff that isn't bad per se, it isn't really. It isn't really meant to feel feed that deepest need. You know, having a good job that's a good thing, but it's not a substitute for the main thing, which is knowing God and God's character and righteousness. Having financial success can be a good thing, can be a blessing as a way to bless others and experience blessing of God, but it's no substitute for knowing God and that righteousness that is His. These substitutes won't satiate our hunger for what we most deeply need, the righteousness of God. And when that is in our lives, as we're aligned with him in his grace, it will never be enough to have X, Y, Z thing alone. We're built not just to have success, but to have success that is shaped and guided by the presence and righteousness of God's character and God's heart. If I'm a real estate agent, a hunger for righteousness means that I don't just make the sale, but I yearn to do so in a way that reflects God's heart and character. If I'm a lawyer, a hunger for righteousness means I don't just win the case, but that as I seek to do so, I do so in a way that glorifies God in my integrity and honesty. If I'm a construction contractor, a hunger for righteousness means that I don't just seek to get the bill done in the cheapest, most financially advantageous way for me, but that I build well, caring about form and function in a way that's financially fair to all parties, including me, but that glorifies God in quality and durability. If I'm a teacher or a doctor or a nurse, a hunger for righteousness means I don't just see my students or patients as tasks to be completed. Rather, I see them with the heart of God's righteousness. I see them as people who I'm called to help bring into right relationship with God. If I'm a pastor, a hunger for righteousness means I don't just try to increase my market share of the number of people in our church and focus and get so obsessed on numbers, but rather I focus on the quality of relationships that commend the gospel shaped in God's righteousness and a right relationship with God, and I build that way. If I'm an athlete, a hunger for righteousness means that it's never, ever just about winning, that a hunger and thirst to play, not first and foremost to win, but first and foremost to reflect God's character, whether I'm winning or losing, and how I treat my teammates, how I share the team life, and how I treat my opposition 
No amount of winning or financial success will ever satisfy our hunger as much as God's character will. Jesus is giving us a big clue into our diet needs, right? We're built for more than winning. We're built for more than success. I can't believe the Switchfoot song, We Were Meant to Live for So Much More, is 20 years old. It's a great, it's a great song. It's one of the great signals, singles of that 2000 era. 2003, seriously? We were meant to live for so much more. Have we lost ourselves? That's good, that's good stuff. That's good lyric. We're built, we're rebuilt in Christ for righteousness. Of course, we need not assume, we need not, we need not assume that increasing uh, your business's market share or winning games or getting raises or whatever is inherently bad. God can be glorified by such vocational excellence, but watch it. Watch out. Because what happens time and time again is that we intend to use all this stuff to glorify God, but how quickly we just become centered not on God, but on the stuff or on the success. And rather than these earthly things becoming venues for this greater righteousness, they become attempts to feed ourselves with the stuff that will never most satisfy. Again, not bad things in and of themselves, just not, they're not meant, they're not fit to be the true center. A few warning signs that this may be happening to you and me when we're on, you know, when we hear these phrases like, well, when I'm on the field, I'm all about winning. Or, well, that's just the way business goes. We gotta make a profit. Or, well, that's just spiritual talk. These are, this is the real world after all. Stuff like that. You know those types of sayings that we sometimes hear or say to ourselves. It turns out that what Jesus is telling us is this. Jesus is saying the most real stuff is the spiritual stuff, is God. You know the old phrase, there's no atheists in foxholes. And that makes it sound like the foxhole is somehow a marginal experience. When I would say in response, actually, the most real that life gets is in the foxhole. That's when you really know where you're really at. That's the most real life gets. That, that's not um, an aberration. That's when push comes to shove. What's it all about? How's your diet? The earthly stuff gets its richest meaning from the spiritual center on Jesus Christ. We get our most joy and purpose and delight and power when we serve and glorify God and live off of a steady diet on his righteousness. That's when we are paradoxically most able to enjoy the good material things of the world. You can't live off of strawberry rhubarb pie. <laughs> you can't live off of just every good vacation, live and dine it. But when you're centered on the Lord then those things are put in their place and you really can enjoy them most. Win or lose, success or failure, whether you get the pie or not, whether it rains in your vacation or not, God is there and his character, first and foremost, will feed you at the deepest level. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst 
for righteousness. Notice too, this is really huge. Jesus doesn't say, listen, Jesus doesn't say, blessed are the righteous. He says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Our Lord is not expecting us to be righteous right off the bat. If anything, the idea is that we are empty, that our tummies are in a perpetual state of growl. (laughs) We don't have it. Maybe, here's the thing, maybe sometimes we don't even want it. I don't want that, I want the pie. (laughs) I don't want to be holy, I want the pie. I want the prophet, you know? Humanity, we all share that, right? God knows that. God invites us, he reminds us, blessed are those who hunger. So sometimes we have the hunger for it. Sometimes we just say, Lord, help me to hunger for the hunger, (laughs) you know? Help me to want to want it. And he'll, he'll do that too. That's covered too here. The blessing covers that. Maybe we've been eating so much junk food or maybe we've been just eating stuff that isn't meant to uh, be consumed at all. Maybe we're eating stuff that can't sustain a real life at the deepest level, but we like it. So we have to say to Jesus, come to our loving Lord and confess, Lord, you know, I'm not hungry for righteousness, but I am I am hungry to be hungry for righteousness, or I want to be hungry for righteousness. We're all in process. We're awakened. The whole spiritual life is being awakened to hungers you don't even realize you, you, you need, you have. Small group ministry is a, is a key thing. We have to be careful with churches because everyone... There's all these books about methods and methodology and these things. And I always say to staff and leaders, these things are tools in our toolbox. So we worship God. We don't worship a method. The, pro- the, pro- the gospel creates the church. The proclaimed gospel of the triune God of grace is what creates the church. Our methods and our plans don't create the church. It's God's promises, then our priorities that come out of that, then our plans and our programs are the tertiary, they're the third tier, and they can shape and adapt as they have to do, Right? But I will say, um, there may not be a magic bullet to ministry, but if there's a 45-70 round that takes out the grizzly bear of secular life, it's small group ministry. (laughs) Get in a small group of some kind. Those are the places in whatever form, whether it's a prayer group or a Bible study or just a group of people you tell your story with, shape it to sort of where you are in your life. That's where, that's a primary place in my experience and in the life of Jesus Christ himself with his group of 12, that's where our hungers become awakened at an intimate interpersonal level and we start to taste and see the goodness of God in a unique way. It makes sense The God who is triune, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, One of my great passions is to recover the Trinitarian shape of the gospel that God as the Father sent his Son in love and the power of the Spirit. Well, this God who is a mysterious relation, whose being is constituted in his relations in himself, is gonna reconstitute our lives within our relations with each other. That's where the work happens. So if you wanna taste and see and have those hungers awakened to you, get in a group. Get in a group to get started and there's a million ways that can look. Small group ministry. We're going to be doing a small group summit here in November. If you're interested in that, let me know. We're going to take people who are already in small groups. If you want to come and join one or, or learn how to lead one, come and be part of that. Let me know if you're interested in that. 
There's a lot of ways that can look and a lot of ways in this church that we strive to awaken us to the hunger and thirst for righteousness, which is first and foremost about a right relationship with God, about aligning our lives in a relationship with the triune God of grace who loves you and me in a more than we can ever imagine. I showed those pictures of food at the beginning and the food is great. And again, it's a grace of God. The food, food is a great, great gift. But there's other glorious pictures from this remarkable week in our church life that I, could, that I remember too. I picture sitting with the folks on that prayer retreat led by um, Linda and Denny and Diane and Sam and um, Bali and reflecting on the Trinitarian shape of the gospel. What does it mean to live in the effervescence of God's relational life and avail ourselves of that and then share that with the world? I think of Bible study this week. Wednesday, Wednesdays, we meet 11 a.m. in the portables and last week we were reflecting on 2 Thessalonians chapter two about Jesus coming back to save us and just, just the wrestling with those images in that group. I think of the auction dinner and hearing Nick's son's mom's testimony about how the church was a lifeline for him and the connection at an important, a crucial time in his life or Riley Barron's moving testimony about her life. You know, if we were paying attention in that, in that auction, I said to Jim, in that auction, there was a roadmap for discipleship, <laughs> which can look a lot of different ways, but a general map, a general direction for discipleship, relationality toward God with each other, it was all there. I think of our prayer circle yesterday at the end of the Alpha Retreat. We were talking about the Holy Spirit and then we decided to pray to the Holy Spirit at the end of the time and there were 20, 25 people in a circle praying for healing and my wife was anointing people for healing. I think of the looks on the faces of little Kai and Emily Halim as we baptized them last week or the earnest, kind look on the faces of Elder Debbie and young student Samuel and others who were serving at the auction last night. Oh, there's so many. There's so many. Are you hungry? God wants to bless you. God wants to bless you in all these ways and more. God is blessing this church and God is even showing us, you and me and everybody, the hungers that we didn't even know we had in all these ways and more. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for right relationship, for right uh, living in line with God's character, for they will be filled. May it be so. Are you hungry? Come and get it. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, amen.